Welcome to the Nine Moms Podcast. My name is Phineas, and this is my mama's podcast, and, and here she is. Hey, you guys. Before we get into this week's story, let me tell you a little bit about the Birth Collective. The Birth Collective is a group for parents who are expecting, parents who are on the journey towards conception, or just parents who've had babies recently, or four, five, six, eighteen years ago, basically for people who have little people around them, or who wish to have little people around them anyway. Um, this is just a group for us because the last year has been a little bit lonely, we've been a little bit isolated perhaps in our homes with our little ones and I know myself I've felt that way as well especially now with the kindergartens being close for quite a long time I'm home with my kids all the time and I miss the company of other adults who are going through the same thing so this was started by me and my friend Lucy who's a hypnobirthing teacher and you might have heard her uh, birth story on the pod a few episodes ago and the main focus of this group is to create a community just a tribe of parents who don't feel like they're in it alone so what we're doing these days is that we meet every two weeks at the moment on zoom we have a little facebook group where we can post things in and ask questions to each other and stuff but we just meet up and talk about how we're feeling and what's going on in our lives and and all these things there's no pressure and we're hoping that sometime soon we could maybe even meet outside for going for a little walk and introduce our little ones to each other and and all of that so if you're interested in that just go to facebook and search for the birth collective and you'll find us right there i will also of course put the the link onto the show notes page for today's show in today's episode we hear from katie and she's going to be sharing the birth of her little girl edie ray with us she gave birth in London in the United Kingdom and when we recorded this story Katie was only about three and a half or four weeks postpartum with Edie so it was a very fresh story from memory that you guys will be hearing today. Now we talk a lot about pressure that we put on ourselves on when it's appropriate to to enter parenthood and and how it's appropriate to birth and and just the pressure that we put on ourselves to having the perfect pregnancy the perfect birth and the perfect postpartum and Katie has a really nice perspective on on this and she shares how how her support system really helped her and held her up and um, supported her through through all of the journey of becoming a mother now let's get into today's story guys enjoy hi katie and welcome to the nine months podcast hi there hello hi thank you for trusting me with your story today would you like <laughs> to start by <laughs> introducing yourself and who's in your family yeah, yeah sure so uh, my name is katie katie grace um or katie cooper depending on katie grace is my performer name so i'm a i'm an actor um and um i live in london in uh, currently in clapton i live on a, a boat in clapton so we move around every two weeks um although because of lockdown we've we're sort of in the same area for a while 
and um, in my family it's um, myself my partner Paul and our little daughter Edie Ray Hmm. that's a lovely name (laughs) yeah Edie Ray she's only she's three and a half maybe four weeks old now that's wonderful I think it's incredible that you have the time now to speak to me so I'm really happy about that (laughs) (laughs) you know this was the first time I had something organized where I had to be somewhere for a certain time Oh, great. And it was like the organizing the morning so that I could be here for two o'clock was it was a really great test to see like to feel normal life and you know have a have a time that I had to stick to it was a good it was a good test. Yeah and it works right? <laughs> it totally did yeah I've got pants on and everything. Oh, wonderful wonderful. <laughs> All right so let's start with your journey to becoming pregnant then. Did you guys plan to have a baby and how did you find out that you were pregnant? Yeah, so I think for me, being being a, an actor, an actress, being being a woman in in the arts industry, I struggled with the idea of having a baby for a really long time because I knew I really wanted it. Um, so I met my partner maybe eight years ago, and we sort of knew very quickly that we 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 knew that we wanted to be parents when we met each other because we knew we'd both really enjoy it. We both work in theatre and in the arts, and so it was. It never felt easy or possible, and our careers just always cons- consumed us. Um, and also, I had this thing in my head about being an actor, being a woman within the arts industry, and I had this narrative that <laughs> that you get very little support, and you are going to be edited out of the industry if people know you've got a child. So I'd stop being invited to auditions and I'd stop being thought of for, for roles. Oh no, she's got a kid, so therefore we're not going to go with her because she's complicated. It's got she's got baggage. And I just had this this narrative in my head and I was convinced that was the only option. Yeah. Um and I I mean I, I even remember saying to people in the industry, people who I whom I trust and and who I I'm I admire. They'll say things like, well, you don't have to tell anyone you've got a kid. You can keep it secret. You can keep the fact that you're a mum private and secret. And I accepted that at the time. And I wish I'd fought back and said, no, it's not about keeping it a secret. It's about because then you're, part, you're not part of the, the solution. You're part of the problem in a way by yeah. covering motherhood up. You know, we need to, if anything, be louder. And anyway, all this was going on and I found it really hard to find the space in my head emotionally mentally physically to think what it would be like to be an actor and a mum and I couldn't I couldn't find the space it felt Mm. so massive but I just knew I knew I really wanted wanted to do it for really selfish reasons to feel to experience motherhood and to experience doing something that's bigger than you um even though it's you know and also I was battling with the whole environmental impact and you know I'm vegan and I live I live on a boat and I do I recycle Mm -hmm. and I my I try to do my best with my carbon footprint but having a child is like (laughs) one of the worst things you can do so all those all that playing into it but ultimately if if you're lucky enough to to have a baby I also see it as a privilege you know there's people that really that can't and I feel incredibly lucky that I can and I was also aware of that the you know the gratitude being grateful for your body being able to do that um so anyway it basically took the, a global catastrophe <laughs> shut down the theatres, shut down the arts industry. And suddenly me and my partner were at home and we had all this emotional 
physical mental space where yeah. we had we had nothing to do but be together and just hang out and have time to think and feel and suddenly we saw a different side of life that wasn't touring around the world or touring to venues in the UK and being away from home for long long periods of time suddenly we were homebound and it was such mm. a different feeling and such a different environment and I started to think oh you know if if now isn't the time I don't know when is you know maybe maybe I should maybe this is the time to think about what it would be like to, you know maybe we should think about conceiving you know perhaps this is a really good time and this is a bit of a sign um this is a bit of a gift that we've been given we've been given time basically and we weren't being you know having to rush off to do crazy shows late at night we were we were just home and I it took me it took me a long it took me it took a long time to really feel ready in myself emotionally and I don't think you ever ever are <laughs> I've now come yeah. to realize, but we both said, okay, let's go for it. And so it didn't happen by mistake. It was planned. And I actually found that really horrific and not mm. romantic or fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I, I was like, you know, we sort of gave it a go for a few months and nothing happened and gave it a go for another few months and nothing happened. And all the things start coming into your mind, you know, am I, do I have, you know, what's going on in my body? Is it what's going on in my partner's body? Is there, is there something underlying that's going to make this complicated? And, and then so you do all the research and it's like, don't drink too much alcohol and cut the caffeine. And you've only got actually got one day in your whole, the whole month where you're actually fertile and all this stuff and this information. Yeah. And so suddenly we were like, oh God, we're going at it and <laughs> nothing's happening. <laughs> and we started feeling disappointed and yeah. a bit sad whereas before it was like oh let's try let's try for a baby it's so simple and suddenly it became really complex and heavy and um not not romantic and it's not you know my, I think my dream was always to fall pregnant by, by and it be a surprise mm. because then you're suddenly you don't have you're not you're not manipulating a situation something really natural happens really naturally that was always the dream and it that wasn't the case which I know is the same for lots of people so then it was like right let's look at the diary let's start booking it in oh so hideous <laughs> so hideous yeah. you know and then obviously on the day that we were supposed to be doing it neither of us were in the mood because a there was, there was pressure to be feel sexy and b we were both like that particular day we might have just we might have just been really tired because we had to do some you know move the boat and go and empty our poo tank or something it was like the least sexy day in the world and um but, but it was the only day and then you if we didn't do it on that day you have to wait a whole month and then it was you know all the pressure oh it was just it was hideous and yeah um <laughs> so we I remember t I actually got, we got a bit fed up and we thought, oh, we're going to have to go and maybe check it, go to the hospital and start getting checked out. And, and I messaged my friend whose sister is a midwife and I said, have you got any tips? You know, what, what should I do? How did your, I said, how did your sister get pregnant? Cause she's, her sister's had her third. Um, and I said, how did she do it? And she said, um, did, didn't bother, you know, didn't, didn't obsess over the whole alcohol coffee thing just just relaxed it a bit and I realized that I'd been being a bit too obsessive 
um, and, and a bit neurotic about it and I wasn't relaxed which is far from the point yeah um and she said you know um oh that was it she said lay <laughs> once you've done the deed lay on your back with your knees in the air <laughs> your legs <in> the air, <laughs> for as long as you can and I remember reading that text message and I thought right fuck it, right that's it a nice big glass of red wine um woke up had a lovely big strong coffee and then we we managed to do it either the day before or the day after my the the, the day the window yeah, yeah. and I laid there with my legs up in the air for about half an hour as long as I could possibly handle before I was going out my mind boredom and lo and behold it bloody worked oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> so that was about I'd say six months of of trying and um you know, I don't know. I don't know why these things take the time, take the time that it does. And it, I, you know, it just took, took that long for whatever, for whatever reason it needed to. Um, <laughs> but I, I essentially, I think I was overthinking and over obsessing and actually I just need to relax a bit and just let, let nature do its thing. So, yeah. So we, um, I, it was during the really hot period during the last lockdown um, and we were on the boat and it was yeah, so, so hot and there was no escape because none of the swimming pools were open and everything was closed. And I remember feeling a bit weird and um, Paul had to go away. It was when construction could still happen. So Paul went away and did about four days worth of work. He actually, was actually at my mum's, which was made it super weird because I called him up and I was like, I'm late. I'm like three days late. This this could be it. Um and he was at my mum's and couldn't say anything and just had to act normal and felt really weird. And um, and uh, he came up. We didn't want to do the pregnancy test until he got home. So I had to wait, which was excruciating. And then he got home. And so I was four days late by that point And we did a test and it was positive. And the first thing we did was we got out into our little kayaks that we've got. We've got these second-hand kayaks that we stick on top of the boat. And so we put them in the water and got an ice lolly and just went out and sat in the shade in the in the water because it was so hot and just stared in, in, into space going, oh, my God, what have we <laughs> done? <laughs> oh, no, that's not true. We were, we were very happy, but also just, yeah, in shock. Um, yeah. And, and then we started asking each other really stupid questions like, so what do you think I'm going to be like as a mum? Um, what do you think my best and worst qualities are going to be as a mum? And we had, it was the worst thing we could have done because we just ended up insulting each other and saying that, yeah, I think you're going to be a bit, a bit neurotic. And, uh, oh yeah, I think you're going to be a bit, a bit selfish. And we just got into this argument. <laughs> and we were like, maybe we shouldn't ask those questions so early on. Maybe we should just, yeah, crack on. Wait and see. So, um, yeah, exactly. And, don't don't ask what our worst qualities are going to be this ridiculous thing to ask we're just asking for an <laughs> argument um yeah. so yeah and then it was such yeah such a strange experience to be uh in a in lockdown during the whole pregnancy um mostly strange because i'd have nothing to compare it to i suppose people would say you know do you feel have you felt lonely during your during your pregnancy? And I say, well, yeah, I felt lonely full stop as everybody else has because everyone's on their own. I don't know what it's like to have a pregnancy outside of lockdown. I don't know what it's like to still go to parties and not drink and all that sort of thing. So in some ways, I feel like the whole the whole world's been on maternity leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's quite nice because I don't have FOMO. 
I no one's doing anything fun. I'm at home, bored, pregnant. Everyone else is just bored at home, and um, yeah, in some ways that's quite quite been quite nice. I've been I've been sad to not experience my pregnancy with my close female crew, like my mum and my sisters and my my best female friends. Just you know yeah. the, the different stages of pregnancy, like the first kicks and you know, when your bump starts to really show and you start to actually look pregnant or when you start to really walk like a massive penguin and people <laughs> laugh at you and, <laughs> you know, and all yeah. the weird cravings you have and all those, those crazy things your body does. So I'd, I'd take pictures of my, my nipples and send them to my best friends and go, look how massive my nipples are. <laughs> and uh, they'd write back and go, oh my God, they're amazing. They're like spaceships and, you know, so... <laughs> we managed we managed to we managed to kind of make the most of it and um but yeah it was it was a pretty cruisy pregnancy the first three months were hell for most people as as they as it is the, the no- i wasn't sick it was the nausea the, the every smell uh, it's particularly my partner's general smell <laughs> or his breath you know like for about a month i couldn't have him near me because it was it made it, it was, and then I, mean, I felt really sorry for him, but I also explained that I didn't have much control, and um, he took it in his stride, which was fine. And then, and the, just like the dishwasher, not the dishwasher, the washing machine, and the the, the hand soap, and just you know garlic. And um, but I was very lucky; I wasn't sick. It was just nausea. Um, and then, and then the three months passed, and I got into the second trimester, and I I felt so incredible. I kept saying, wow, if you, if you could bottle the hormone or the feeling you get in second trimester, you get so, I don't know if everyone has this, but I just had the most, I just had loads of it. I was sleeping really well. I had loads of energy. I was swimming four times a week. Um, and I just felt like I had a superpower. Um, and I, yeah, you're just, you're, I think you really blossom in the second trimester. I didn't feel sick anymore you know, your bump started to show, but you're still really agile. Um, you can get about and do what you want to do. And you've got the lovely glow. Yeah, gorgeous. That might, I just loved, I loved it. Loved yeah. the experience. Did you know what sort of birth you had in mind or did you start looking into that already or? Yeah. Yeah. So it felt really easy to make those decisions because I guess, this, and this is probably the same for a lot of people, uh, I, fundamentally, uh, the, at the core of my belief systems is largely due to my upbringing, which is a little bit of a hippie upbringing. My mum, my mum is into alternative medicine. She's got a PhD and you know that sort of thing, where she studied an alternative way of, of healing yourself. And so it's always been about organic foods and holistic things. And she, you know, she's a real my mum's real advocate of home birth and hypnobirthing and just basically doing things naturally so uh, but she's all my mum's also really really against medical intervention because she had a really rough time with her with four of her babies children she only managed to have a home birth with her, with her fourth with, with my little sister because the first three and it was very very different back then I'm talking about 30 odd years ago she had horrible horrible medical intervention so they'd like force her to stay in hospital and none of it was she didn't have a choice in a lot of the decisions and all that sort of thing so she was she's like 
don't even go to the hospital, I have nothing to do with them. <laughs> and it's like, well, things are really different now, but also we were going to be near Homerton Hospital, which ha- have a bit of a holistic um, approach and they're really sensitive to the mum's wants. So yeah. anyway, it was really, I felt really easy. As soon as I started doing research, I knew straight away that I, my preference was to have a home birth. Um, I really wanted to, and I wanted it to be as natural as possible. And I also then started doing lots of research into hypnobirthing and the power of breath control and, um, you know, things like, um, having positive affirmations, just positive thinking. Um, I, I was like, immediately I knew that, that I would, that I felt connected to that and felt like I could relate to that because the power of the mind is so strong. And if you can control your mind, if you can, if your thoughts are relaxed, your body will be relaxed. If your thoughts are panicked, your body's going to be panicked. And, you know, all the science behind hypnobirthing, if you have adrenaline going around your body, adrenaline will slow the birth down. Whereas oxytocin will, will, is, is the hormone that helps you birth your baby. I just found it incredible. I was like, oh my God, I got really into it. So it didn't, yeah, it didn't take much for me to find my path into what sort of birth I wanted. Um, <laughs> me and my partner had a bit of tension at the beginning because I really wanted a home birth and it made him incredibly nervous because all he knew was the only option is it make everybody has gives birth in hospital and that's what's normal because we've been told over the years that that's where you need to have a baby. Whereas it's not necessarily the case. And we've forgotten about how able we are to have to to give birth elsewhere. And people have become scared and think that you, most people will need medical intervention. So you should be in hospital. Otherwise it's going to be dangerous, but that's not true. Actually Mm -hmm. Um, being in your home environment provides you with so much um provides you with, with, with relaxation which is ultimately the best thing for a healthy for an if, you know, one of the best things for an easy easier birth so so the research says you know so anyway um I got really excited about that and threw myself into hypnobirthing and I would practice my breath um breath control and listen to my positive affirmations and um have I had loads of post-it notes all over the boat um and I'd practice down breathing when I'm on the toilet <laughs> mm. <laughs> um if you're ever constipated down breathing is amazing um <laughs> so yeah but then my that we had a lovely um home birth midwife at Homerton Hospital if you have this if you have a home birth or you want a home birth you get the same midwife through the whole of your pregnancy which I we ended up with a lady called Harriet who we love so much. We want to keep her, her in our lives because she, yeah, she was just, she's just awesome. Super salt of the earth, um, you know, no fuss, no flapping, just says it how it is. <laughs> and um, she would come round and she started talking to us about home birth. And soon my partner realized how amazing it is to have, to be in your home environment and what it provides you. Um, and um but then I realized how much I wanted to water birth and getting that amount of water on our boat and keeping it warm <laughs> was, we quickly realized that it just wasn't possible. And um, so quite late on in the pregnancy, during about the middle of my third trimester, we had to accept that I need, had to have go into hospital if I wanted to water birth. Yeah. 
So we opted for the birth centre, which is, you know, a gorgeous private room with fairy lights and tea lights and a bath and lots of equipment that you can hang from. And and um, I, I felt cool with that because it was like it's a lovely environment and it, you know, if I, I knew I just knew how much I love being in the water so I I was happy to sacrifice being at home yeah so yeah that's that's where we got to with with all those decisions and um yeah I mean for the, for the whole of the pregnancy it was um I, I had pretty pretty lovely time um nothing no you know the, the baby got into a pretty good position quite early on and was there was lots of lovely movements. The the movement thing was was a surprise to me. I didn't realise how much emphasis they put on you needing to re- record or register the baby's movements. Um, my mum couldn't believe it. She said, we weren't ever asked how often is your baby moving. And in all of the literature, in all of the pamphlets in my pregnancy, the blue book you're given, the, all the midwives were constantly saying, how's baby moving how you know how regular are the movements have you noticed any changes and i they kept saying if you feel any change at all just go to the hospital we'd rather you go in 50 times and there'd be nothing wrong than you not go in and there'd be something wrong and you didn't get it in time and that was i found that actually the hardest thing throughout the whole pregnancy because i had nothing to compare it to so i didn't know like you know there'd be a whole morning where I wouldn't have felt anything and I think well yesterday morning I felt something but so sure there's a there's a change there there's movement yesterday and there's not movement today okay so then that warrants me going to the hospital based on what the midwife said and then that would fill me with adrenaline and and worry and I'd feel like unnecessarily worrying about but maybe I, but what if it's not unnecessary what if there is something wrong and I'm putting my baby at risk by not going in I I did only go in, I did only ever go in once um, because I actually thought my waters might have broken because I was getting quite a lot of of liquid and it turns out it wasn't my waters. But I also thought I might have felt a slight change in movement, but the baby was absolutely fine. But every single day I was, I was recording the movements and I got, you do get a bit obsessive about it because, you you know, the, the, the weight around making sure you're aware of it. It, that was intense and I didn't know that was going to happen I didn't and apparently that's quite new and that's the reason reason why that's only really become so um, important over the last sort of 10 years is because the studies behind the stats behind women who have had um, miscarriages or, or other, you know, fatalities it's because and they most like nine times out of ten they would have experienced a change in movement or a stop in movement Mm. so they they now take that on as a really important thing so that's just like you know heavy but everything is absolutely fine and I think if I were to have another baby which right now feels like the last thing in the world that I would do <laughs> yeah <laughs> if I did I would feel very differently around that whole thing because I now know that babies have a real changing pattern you know they they are irregular they're like human beings you don't do everything like clockwork every day so I'd feel way more confident in that confidence in that now. Um, but, you know, you just are a bit paranoid in, with your first, aren't you? It's kind of normal, normal to be. So anyway, yeah. 
Because the first time you go through it, so of course, you know, you, exactly. would, you would listen to everything that everybody tells you and take it on, yes. you know. Mm. Yes, you don't just listen to it, you absorb it and it becomes yeah. part of you. You're like mm. like a sponge, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and it really affects you. Um, and, but, and you also, you're like, I really wanted to be one of those really relaxed pregnant people, really re- like, oh, like nothing, you know, not in any, not high, you know, not neurotic, just super cruisy and like yeah whatever I'm like so chilled I really wanted to be that that type of pregnant lady and sometimes I was sometimes I really wasn't (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, I think those ladies aren't sometimes as well but you just don't see it (laughs) yeah they hide it really well they just do it at home and no one's watching (laughs) yeah so so that brings me on to time to give birth yeah go for it go for it um (laughs) so um yeah it was a really strange time so baby was my my this whole due date thing started to have importance and I I, the positive birth company that I was listening to says it has a whole chapter on the due date and how how they come up with the due date they base it on your the day that you were ovulating and it's kind of pretty vague how they come up with your due date and it's 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 a bit of guesswork and so you could be three or four days out of your actual 40 week mark and also other countries they call, they say your due date is at 41 and in other countries it's actually 42 weeks mm-hmm. then there's this um you know you get all the messages from your relatives around your due date um it may, it's maybe come yeah you know and you get all the the pressure and it said in it said in the positive birth conference said look if you feel to maybe it doesn't bother you but if you feel to just message people and say look I'm not going to forget to tell you when the baby's on its way so yeah. just trust that I will let you know just leave me alone yeah exactly <laughs> I was going to say that like wouldn't you think that I would send you a message if the baby exactly. was actually here <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. what's funny is I really want to message all of my friends over the past 10 years that have been having babies to apologize to them for all the annoying things I've said that I had no <laughs> idea was annoying. Yeah, Because actually you just want to show that you're thinking of them. You want mm-hmm. them to know you're thinking of them. And that's all my friends wanted. They wanted me to know that they were thinking about me. So it all comes from a good place. But I didn't realize how annoying it is yeah. to be contacted <laughs> by everyone because you forget, they forget that you're being contacted by a hundred other people. It's not just them. <laughs> you know, the post the postman wants to fucking know. And you you know, you're the lady in the shop that you see everyone wants to know. And it's like everybody's asking you. And so so my in inverted commas, my due date came and went. And I felt fine about that because we'd actually just said let's scrap the due date let's it's not important baby's going to come and baby's ready it's all cool so then a week overdue came and went and then another week overdue came and went and I'd had two sweeps by then and nothing it hadn't really got anything going and I was starting to feel a bit stressed and then my mid, the midwife said to us if you want a water birth in the birth center you need to have your baby no later than two weeks one day overdue your due date and I just got in my head how much I wanted a water birth in the birth center it suddenly became everything it became too important and I couldn't envisage any other birth I could only see myself in that twinkly room with 
a lovely warm bath mooing on all fours with my you know with my positive affirmation sheet in front of me and my playlist playing in my headphones and it was going to be amazing I couldn't see any other options so I suddenly went into a bit of a panic I needed to have this baby in the next 48 hours otherwise I wasn't going to they weren't going to allow me to go in the birth center which is kind of crazy but the alternative is going into the into the delivery suite which is next door they are private rooms with also ha- which also have baths <laughs> it's just that they aren't they're not just they just don't they're just not so twinkly and they've just got yeah. a few more med- medical machines in the room because um they that, that's where you know that's where you go if you need a bit more medical intervention but they're basically the same thing the walls are the same color you know it's ridiculous so but i just got in my head i just got in my head that that's not what i wanted and then it was international women's day on the monday which was the two week mark and in addition and i was like oh my god how amazing would it be to have a baby on international women's day so that weirdly added a bit of pressure which is so ridiculous because <laughs> i was like i'm gonna be such a hardcore feminist i'm gonna say that i had my baby girl i didn't know i was having a girl at the time but um i'm gonna have this child on this amazing day but also my gorgeous friend Aisha, who's also a performer, she had this idea about a month previous. She texted me and said, "Hey, how would you feel about me forming like a circle of women of your women in your life who all light a candle when you go into labor and also like read a passage of text that's like you know, we're here together, we're creating this circle of strength and, you know, it's like a beautiful tech, bit of text. And I read this suggestion and just sobbed. Yeah, I, I was also I like, got a little bit of chills here when he said that. I was like, oh, I would have wanted that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I didn't realise how much I wanted and needed that until mm. she said it. And I sent her a video of just sobbing, saying, yeah, I really, really want that, I need that. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even know I needed it, but I really do. And I hadn't realised how lonely I felt about the birth. And I, but I didn't mind that because I w- was aware that the rest of the world are lonely, uh, lonely, and are, uh, there's people in much worse situations. So I was kind of like, just you know, you know, it was cool. I, it, I could cope with it. But when she suggested that, it was like, oh, okay, no, I, that's that's incredible. So we made this WhatsApp group. Um, of women in my life who who I felt connected to and it was about 25 30 women who I you know really love in lots of different ways and um and I I said what I'd love is maybe to receive a picture of the candle so when I go into labor I'll just receive all these pictures of candles being lit and and uh and they were like yeah totally and everyone was so up for it and I was a bit scared that people would be like a bit creeped out at the if it was a bit um handmade tales handmade oh, tale yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, no i mean you know i just anyway so so on the sunday night which was the two week the day before the two week mark i believe um i started having what we were calling them at the time surges because i don't you probably know this but contractions isn't a favorable word because it suggests tension um, so we were using the word surges and on Sunday night I started having them and I got really excited and said to my partner Paul, oh my god I think this is it, I'm not sure, 
um we went to bed that night and I just couldn't sleep because I was excited and I thought oh my god my baby's coming any minute now (laughs) I was so naive and I so I just laid awake pretty much and then on the Monday morning I woke up and I was still having surges um but they were getting a little bit more frequent and so my partner Paul was my birth partner number one we were allowed two so my sister who lives around the corner it's my second birth partner. So I said to Paul, hey, we should get Karis round because I think this is it. And he was like, okay, cool, cool. So he called her up and she came round all excited and I was excited and I had my TENS machine on my back and it was buzzing away and we had, um, had um, Fleetwood Mac on and I was dancing to, to Phil Collins when she arrived and, and then I'd stop and have a, had to breathe through a surge and then I'd dance again. It was just glorious. And the sun was shining through the portholes of the boat. And, and then I said, oh, I'm a bit hungry. I really fancy pancakes. And Karis was like, I'll make you some pancakes. So she made some pancakes and we all ate them together. And we've got a picture of us all eating pancakes. It's beautiful. And then about three hours later, the surge has just stopped. Mm. And I was like, guys, nothing's happening. This is so weird. Um, so I, got back on the bouncing ball and just slowed right down. And I, I, we said to Karis, look, there's, I don't think there's any point in you being here. There's nothing happening. Perhaps you should go home. So she packed her bag and went home and went, stayed at home all night. She had a whole night at home where me and Paul went to bed and I started having surges again, but they were really infrequent. They weren't regular at all. But again, because I was just nervous and also felt the pressure of giving birth in time to be in the birth center but also we had messaged the whatsapp group of my women folk and they all started sending pictures of candles (laughs) and I was like oh god I'm not in labor anymore it's all just stopped everything's ruined (laughs) it's not international women's day anymore and everyone's lit their candles and they're gonna burn away and I haven't and and the, the candles have run out and I won't have given birth and it's like this ridiculous pressure that I'd put on myself that I didn't even know was there. And so, so Monday came and went, um, and then Monday night came and went. Tuesday morning, I started having surges again, but we were like, what, what does this mean? And I had this app called Freya, and it's basically you press record when you have a surge and you press re- stop record when the surge stops. And it basically records the surges to let you know how frequent they are so you can get an idea of where you are in, in the labour. And it would, it would tell me you're in established labour because the surges were starting to be frequent enough. And we'd go, oh, my God, we're in established labour. And then we'd call the hospital up and the hospital would say, you need to be in established labour for another two hours before you even think about coming into hospital. The best place for you to be is at home. And I was like, I've been at home since Sunday night. Nothing's happening. Please just, you know, and the surges were getting stronger and stronger and more powerful because they don't like to use the word painful. (laughs) And which I find ridiculous now. But at the time I was really invested in using all the right words. And um, so I said to Paul, please, can we call the hospital again? I'm just so fed up. I just need some kind of like change of environment. I don't care if we go there and get turned away. I just need to do something. So we phoned up the hospital and they said, look, why don't you come in? Um, prior to that, we'd had a, had a midwife visit us and she'd given me my third sweep. and She gave me a super sweep, which was incredibly painful. 
and um she so so then that morning on the tuesday morning we we called the hospital and they said look come in and we'll have we'll we'll have a look at you we'll assess you so i did i went in as soon as i got to the hospital i just burst into tears and they were like oh my god are you okay and i said yeah i'm i'm fine i'm just really fed up and overwhelmed and this has been going on for a really long time i don't know what's going on and i don't know what to do i'm doing all the things i'm bouncing on my ball i'm walking up and down i'm eating curry i've had sex i've tweaked my nipples i've drank raspberry leaf tea i've sniffed whatever that herb is you're meant to sniff can't even remember now and i've done it all and this baby's just hanging out giving me these horrible surges and i'm done so they they looked they assessed me and i was three centimeters dilated and they said right your cervix is softened it's in a good place but the best place for you to be is at home you're doing all the right things just keep going so i had another little sob but felt a bit better of just getting a bit of support and a bit of just being, just being looked at. It just felt yeah. like, cause I didn't, you just don't know what's going on. So I walked out of the double doors from that conversation. And then I had a surge, tried to pick up my bag, had another surge, stood at the window ledge, tried to pack my bag, put my coat on, had another surge. And basically I didn't move from that corridor for three hours because the surges were too frequent. And my partner went and got the midwife at one point and said, I know you told us to go home, but we can't get out of the hospital. We physically can't leave because her surges have suddenly ramped up. And um, they couldn't move me for love, no money. They just couldn't get me out of, they couldn't get, get me out of the corridor because it was so intense. And I had my headphones in and they were trying to feed me snacks because I hadn't really eaten and trying to feed me water. And I was just mooing in the corridor but they couldn't put me in any rooms because there wasn't anything free. There were, there were laboring women in all of the rooms. So they just, they said, you're just going to have to stay in the corridor. So I did, I was there for about four hours, which was, um, I, do you know what? I don't even remember those four hours because I was just focused on pain management with breast control, which was amazing really. Um, so then the midwife came out and said, we've got some good news. One of the birth center rooms is available um so i got we packed the bags and at this point we called my sister up and said come we're we're you know it's all happening it's all kicking off it's going to be today it's going to be in a few hours we're going to meet the baby and so my sister rushed to the hospital and yeah we got into the room and my sister and paul uh put the fairy lights up and um the, the tea lights and sprayed the room with the lavender spray and put the playlist on and i put my gown on that i bought specially <laughs> and um we ha- i had a pillow from home and i was just you know moving around the room and i was just surging for a few hours and they were getting more and more frequent and more and more powerful and uh it got to the point where i i couldn't converse anymore i was and i it was an incredible it was all encompassing pain <laughs> But I was coping with it. I wasn't in trouble. I didn't feel panicked. I felt relaxed. And I was using all my breath practice, which was incredible. Then the midwife examined me and I was still, I was four centimetres dilated. And it was like, oh, that's really disappointing. But it's okay. Keep going. So I kept going, kept breathing, kept surging. They got more and more powerful, more and more frequent. Less and less time in between. She examined me after another four hours. We changed midwives by this point. Shift they they had a shift change. I was still four centimeters dilated. Then, like hours and hours passed, 
the bath was nowhere I wasn't you know the bath wasn't being turned on because um, they needed to examine me and the baby so she gave me another examination and I was still forcing to be dilated by which point I was like okay this is this is getting tough but everyone was being really positive I was still breathing through all the surges I was you know they were by this point I was absolutely boiling hot so I just ripped everything off and I was mooing naked on all floors in the bathroom floor and the pain of the surges started to get out of control I wasn't able to control them with my breath and I'd also not really slept for two nights and I was getting to the point of exhaustion and I was starting to see double and my body was stopping it couldn't I couldn't control my temperature so I was quivering really violently but I was really really hot but quivering with 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 chills so I kept having to get into hot boiling hot showers and then I'd get out and be quivering again and the pain got out of control and I wasn't controlling it with my breath my I started to with hypnobirthing they talk about the tra- I mean you probably know all this they talk about the traffic lights yeah. system so you want you want to be in green and amber the whole time and you don't want to go to red and I was just constantly going into red so I was in pa- panic mode I I was I was not in control and it felt horrific and um I just felt like I was getting deeper and deeper into this vortex of dark pain and it was the last thing I wanted to to happen to my body because I knew that it wasn't helping the labor process so then the midwife said you want some pain management and I said what do you mean she said um do you want some like cocodamol and paracetamol and I was like yeah that sounds that sounds great um, prior to this, they'd offered me the gasinair, and I tried the gasinair out, and it felt made me feel sick immediately. So I, I vetoed that and said that's not for me. And it also stopped me feeling like I was, I didn't feel in control when I did gasinair. Made me feel really heady and, and spun me out. And I liked feeling clear and conscious. Um, so I swallowed the cocodamol and the and the, and the paracetamol. Um, I suddenly realised. I was in a room with no windows and I said do the windows open and the midwife said I'm sorry but they're sealed and it that freaked me out suddenly I felt like I was in a tiny little cupboard with no air I said I need air I need air so the midwife said okay okay we can take you to in a separate room where the windows do open a little little crack and I was like I just need to go and I tried to walk out the room totally stark bollock naked Luckily, it was about four o'clock in the morning and there was nobody else in the hospital. It was totally deserted. And so they wrapped like a nightie around me and me and my partner. And the midwife went into the separate room and they opened the window and I just stood there naked, mooing, breathing in the the cold air. And I just remember seeing this man stood in the car park looking up. Uh, looking up at this crazy naked lady mooing at him and I I just yeah I didn't care and I didn't care about anything and unfortunately I had some whether it was the change in temperature the lack of air and suddenly having fresh air or being allergic to the medication I just suddenly projectile vomited um in the in the in the room and collapsed and then my partner Paul freaked out and had to go and get the midwife and it was all a bit scary and I was fine I collapsed from exhaustion it, I didn't faint I was just couldn't stand up and unfortunately had didn't have the painkillers in my system anymore so then um I ended up going back to the room and I tried to swallow some more painkillers and I threw those up and the and I was throwing up while surging and that was the lowest point for everybody my partner and my partner and my sister including including them because everyone felt helpless and it's like my body had just 
gone out of I went from being really really in control knowing what was going on with my body I understood what the surges were I understood what the what my body was doing when it was contracting I understood what the pain was and I was supporting that pain with breath and it went from that to me being out out of control and being I felt in trouble and I felt like I was in danger and that was a really and I, I was just full of fear from that moment and it was really scary and then the midwife said let's examine you and she examined me and I was still four centimeters dilated so she sorry prior to that moment she broke my waters she she put a little the little hook inside and broke my water for me then I had another few hours of the horrible surges and then she examined me and I was still four centimeters dilated and that was the moment that I said I'm done I am so done I've been strong and I've been a warrior up until this point and I looked at my sister and my partner in the eye and I said I know that my birth plan was to oppose any medical intervention at all costs and I said to them both if I ask for any medical intervention I need you to convince me out of it I said that to both of them I looked them both in the eye and I said don't you dare say anything this is what I need to do I need some help because I'm in trouble and I'm and I'm scared baby was fine the heart rate was fine my heart rate was fine mm. but I was I was exhausted I had nothing nothing left to give and that was the worst moment because I just felt like I could cope up until that moment and suddenly I wasn't coping and um so the, the midwife said well we can talk about an epidural so I asked all the questions, and by which point I sort of, yeah, we, we asked all the questions we needed to ask. Even though we knew what an epidural was and we'd done the research prior, I needed a refresher so that I could make a clear decision in that moment. And she said, you know, she gave us the rundown. And I said, how long will it take to come into effect? And what does it actually mean? How do you, how do you actually have, have it? You know, it's an injection, okay. You know, so I said, let's do it. Let's go for it. I just, I can't, I need something. So they, we packed the room up, packed all the tea lights up, packed all the fairy lights up. Yeah. And moved move next door into the delivery suite, which was an almost identical bloody room. Um, but you know, the whole research into the positioning of your body. So laying down on your back is really not a favorable, um, supportive position for your, for your, for your, for your pelvis to be lovely and open it reduces the open by 30 percent and being up on your knees is much better for you and all these things unfortunately having an epidural means you're laying down on the bed on your back so those, those things were making me a bit sad but I was just so desperate for pain relief by that point and um the next bit was the biggest challenge because they needed me to not be surging in order to get the injection in but I couldn't stop surging they were every minute and which was crazy considering I was only four centimeters dilated, considering it was so strong and so frequent. So this the anesthetist came in and he was like, I need you to stay still because I can't get this in. And it took him half an hour, which was the longest half an hour of my life. <laughs> and then he said, it's going to take 20 minutes to, take, to come into effect. So it was like that hour and 10 minutes of him trying to get the needle in and then it taking effect was was one of the worst parts of the whole thing because I knew pain relief was around the corner, but I was still in a lot of pain. So it was this kind of weird limbo world. Yeah. So the epidural took effect 
and suddenly the surges just slowly dulled and I my my partner just said he just cried because it was the first time I smiled through the whole pregnancy he said it was I'd come back to life and my I was I was showing signs of lucidity and I was, I smiled because I was, you know, there was pain relief and he said it was just such a relief. Both of them were so relieved to see it. Mm. And um, yeah, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Anyway, in some ways I wish that I had maybe asked for help sooner, but at the same time, I don't know if, if that was the length of time I needed to, I needed to give my body the chance to do it on its own to work out that I did it wasn't it wasn't going to happen the baby just didn't want to come out basically and um so I managed to sleep for 40 minutes which was the most incredible 40 minutes of my life (laughs) and it was enough to give me a little bit of energy um so when I came to they gave me another assessment I was still four centimeters dilated this is like three days on from (laughs) from the first surges or contractions we'll call them contractions by this point because we didn't give a crap about any of that we just all went out the window and um so the the midwife said listen we need we need you to to dilate quicker if if it doesn't work then a cesarean is what we need to discuss next so what we'll do first is we'll give you the hormone drip, the oxytocin hormonal drip, which I really didn't want because that does affect the baby in some ways or can affect the baby in some ways. Um, so, but I was, I was just like, just go for it. Just whatever it's going to take, you know, we just, I just was desperate by that point. And they didn't give me a very big dose. It was quite a small dose. Um, so they did, they put me on the hormonal drip and then they left me there for two hours to, for it to do its thing. And then they came in after those two hours and checked me and I was fully dilated. Oh my God. It was such a relief to hear. Um, So then they said, okay, what we'll do is we need to discuss whether you have a bit more epidural because we should be meeting your baby in the next hour um, and you've probably got half an hour left of the epidural. So what do you want to do? And And they said, it's better if you don't have loads of the epidural put in because you still it's ideal that you can feel the contractions a bit so that you know where to push and we all agreed that just a little top up of the epidural would be ideal so that I'd still know where to push so that's what we did they they just gave me a little top up two and a half hours later I was still pushing the baby did not want to come out um and the epidural had worn off so I could feel all the pain and all of the the crazy intense feelings, which now looking back, I'm kind of grateful for because it meant that I got to experience the feelings of a, vag- a vaginal natural birth to some to some extent. And um, but it, it did, did my head in psychologically because I'd been in a place of extreme pain and I then got rescued from the place of extreme pain. And then I was back there again. So it kind of spun my head out of it. And I had to. I had to work quite hard to not panic and stay just feel safe and I was in good hands so I was pushing for in total three and a half hours and the baby's head they said you know on the next push the next push your baby's head's going to come out and I and they put I'd push and push and push with everything I had 
and the baby's head still didn't come out and they said you can feel your baby and I put my hands to hand down there and I could feel I could feel the, the the head of my baby and I was just so happy to feel the baby baby's head but it wasn't budging and then suddenly about 12 members of staff just came flooding in nobody knew why nobody said anything they all just flooded in and this female mostly it was mostly women and this female doctor just looked at me and said I swear she was wearing a cape but apparently she wasn't in my head she was wearing a cape <laughs> she said um it seems like you're trying you're being a bit of a hero or said something like that and um I just felt like I wanted to burst into tears and I said yeah I'm really trying to be a hero but I'm not doing very well and she said well we're all here to help you because it seems like you're you're quite exhausted and you need a bit of help so we later found out that um, nobody pressed an emergency button or anything like that. They have this central control point where they have all the birthing women, women stats up on a big board. And when they have a shift changeover, they look at the numbers and all the, the, you know, the length of time the lady's been in labour and all that sort of thing. And they all decide who needs a bit of support. And they looked at the time I'd been in labour and the fact that I was, you know, didn't have the energy and they decided that they'd come to my room so they were all just there to give me extra support so it wasn't a panic station you know like panic stations oh my god this lady is in a desperate situation the baby's in trouble it wasn't that but because no one really said anything and we suddenly had all this staff in the room we me and my sister and my partner all just suddenly went into a bit of panic like what's wrong you know and it, it got a bit scary at that point they got all these big lights out but actually, they were just there to help get this blooming baby out. And um, the the female doctor, she 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 was like, I recognise that you've been pushing for a long time, so I'm going to help you get this baby out. And so she ended up needing to use a Vontus just to get the baby her baby's head around the corner. And so that's what she did. She, she put it on and she said, we're going to do this together. You're going to give a nice big push. And we're going to get this baby's head out. And then you're going to pull the baby out yourself. And you're going to put the baby on your chest. And so that's what she did. I gave one big push. She pulled it out, pulled it out with the cup. And then so it was just, at least, so just the head was out. And then I pulled her out myself and put her on my chest. And it was the most incredible moment feeling her on my chest. It was gorgeous. And it, everything that happened prior to that moment went away and it was wonderful and then we realized that she was laying on my chest for half an hour and my partner and I looked at each other and said we don't even know what the sex is <laughs> we don't know if it was a boy or a girl <laughs> no one had said anything so we said um what is it is it a boy or a girl and they said oh do you want to know I said yeah yeah so she held the baby up and we saw it was a little girl and um we were, yeah it was amazing and then so that's that's it basically that's the birth story um <laughs> that's a nutshell. wonderful story yeah it's a mixture of being completely in power to being completely not but also having an amazing experience but also a traumatic experience and yeah yeah all, all of it felt really important and valid and it, it was what it was and I, I I'm not angry or sad about any of it really because I did what I could and I got to, I got to experience what it was like to be in my power. Um, I just, I just, it, what, it didn't go according to plan and I know that's not my fault. And so I've, I've come to a, a resolution about that in my head, which I'm really pleased about because I know it's really difficult when it doesn't go the yeah. way you want to go. 
We were talking, I keep saying this on the pod, but I was talking to one woman in one of my first episodes and we talked about a birth plan instead of being a birth wish. Yeah, nice. And I found that so much more comforting as having a birth wish than having a birth plan because it's like, I wish for all these things to happen um, in my birth, but but if they don't, then, you know, that's okay. And And you can... That's yeah. lovely. That, that's so, what this um, the positive birth company calls it birth preferences rather than birth plan, um, which I think is a similar similar mm. idea. It just means that that's what you'd prefer to happen, but if it doesn't, it's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, do you want me to talk a little bit about the postpartum? <laughs> have we got Have we yeah, got time? Absolutely. I was just going to ask. Yeah, I was just going to ask. Go on and get into it. So, um. We managed to get out of the hospital on the same day. I said to my, I said to Paul, we were in the like this bit you're sent to after you've given birth, which is like a, an open. You're just like just blue curtains separate you and other other women that have just given birth. It's really noisy, and they were like potentially going to keep me in overnight just to keep an eye on the baby, and we really wanted to go home. So I said to Paul, can you can you get me one of those pots that you wee in? And he said, no, you need to go to the toilet yourself so you can show them that you're capable. It's so mean <laughs> because I could mm. barely walk. You know, I'd had second degree tears. and But he was on for something because we just wanted to demonstrate that whilst weeing in a tub would have been much easier, it was but going home would have been much more healing. So anyway, we managed to, we managed to get home and we got a dirty pizza and horrible food and a pint of Guinness and got into pajamas and had a had a nice cozy evening that night and it was lovely to be home with our baby and you know we actually got a pretty decent night's sleep the first night we got back she she was she just came out really really calm and sleepy so she's pretty much almost slept through the first night which was a gift um and um so um basically the next day the next couple of days was uh, a journey into the breastfeeding thing we discovered that she was a bit jaundice and the thing to get rid of her jaundice was to flush it out with breath with, with food with breast milk or or whatever however you I was going to feed her and I knew I really wanted to breastfeed and um when she first was born they they you know they encourage you to get her the baby on your nipple as soon as you can and I just nailed breastfeeding immediately I just knew what to do I dressed watched all the videos I put her on and the latch was perfect and the midwife said oh you've nailed that I don't need to talk to you you don't need breastfeeding support so I think I was just ticked off the list as as like someone who nailed breastfeeding how wrong was I <laughs> I it was a fluke I just it was a total fluke I don't know how I did it the first time but I couldn't get it again and my nipples got so sore and um, I couldn't get the latch right. And she just wasn't getting any food. She was getting more and more jaundice. And my, I got really sad. And then my milk came in and the emotions flooded and the blues came in. And I will never, I've never experienced anxiety like that. Um, I, people talk about the baby blues and I listened to, read all this literature about how, your emotion you're 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 in it's such an emotional roller coaster you'll feel incredibly high and then you'll feel incredibly low I had no idea how low I was going to feel and I was having such awful thoughts I was thinking all these horrible dark thoughts like what have I done I've made a huge mistake my life is over why did I even do this and 
you know, then I felt really guilty and felt like a terrible mum for having those thoughts. Mm. And I was consumed by it because I had no sleep and I didn't, and you're there to say nap when baby naps. So you're, have, you're not, you don't get a sense of day and night because you're just sleeping whenever you can. And it, it makes you feel insane. And I, I just didn't know I didn't know what to do. I felt completely disconnected from myself and the world. And also everyone was calling me mummy. Everyone was calling me mum. And I was like, who is this person? Why do you keep calling me mum? I'm Katie. My name my name's Katie and I'm an actress and I go and get coffee and I, I'm a vegan and I live on a boat and I've got this whole other identity and I, you were mm. just given this identity of mummy and I wasn't ready. I needed time to relate to that role and feel connected to it. I didn't, I, I just didn't expect to feel overwhelmed by this new role. I, I thought I would just accept it and it would be okay. And so I was, I felt, I just felt I couldn't, I couldn't connect to to who I was, my identity or just a feeling of self of self um I felt out at sea and couldn't connect to anything and it was it was just really awful and and I was speaking to lots of I was speaking to my sister and and, and all the women that were in that incredible group that had been sending me who had been relighting their candles and buying new candles because their other candles had burnt down and um and they they'd they'd been supporting me through the whole thing and they were getting updates from my sister and they were all saying Katie we've had all that we had all I had the same thoughts I in I thought I'd made the biggest mistake of my life trust us Mm. get those first two weeks out of the way it will get easier you will feel more normal we promise you that we're not this isn't made up you don't feel this bad forever promise 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 and um you know I trusted them. I did. And I, and they were right. <laughs> you do, you do the, at the, my anxiety lifted and the, um, I started to, you know, you, you, you wake up and suddenly you, you find the time to brush your teeth and have a wash and do the dishes. And it's like, Oh, that felt normal. That felt like normality. And, and, um, my wounds were healing and, um, I felt like I could walk without, feeling like my bits were going to drop out of me (laughs) and going on long walks and getting in the sunshine and all those all those things started to help um my sister my older sister who had the hard she had a really tough time especially with her first she set this whatsapp group with me that's just me and her and it's the acronym the acronym is something like um J it's I can't remember what it spells but basically it stands for just in case you need to hear it and she'd send me voice voice messages and it would say things like Katie you are a woman who is brilliant at x y and z you're kind and caring but you're also you know find that really annoying and you're you're an actress and she sent me pictures of when of shows I've been in she was just reminding me of who I was before and who I identified as to just to remind me or she sent me a voice message and say in 10 years time she's got a daughter called Flora my niece she'd say in 10 years time niece and Edie 
are going to be sat in the garden and Edie's going to be telling Flora about a bully at school and Flora's going to be telling her to, to, to tell her what's what and giving her all the advice and guidance and me and you are going to be sat there watching them whilst drinking G&Ts in the sunshine with utter pride and she just sent me these things yeah. just to give me and just give me perspective of so that I didn't so that the un, the irrational thoughts didn't spiral out of control and that there were things to look forward to and that it wasn't always going to be this weird world of total sleep dep- deprivation and your body is is wrecked and or my body was and not everyone's is but it, that was my experience and and it made me it sort of woke me up out of the grim darkness and made me go hang on a minute this isn't forever these dark thoughts these these sleepless nights the 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 incredible rawness of having a newborn isn't forever that also then Mm. led me on to realizing it isn't forever you don't have a newborn for very long and they're really squidgy Mm. and cute and they don't really do a lot apart from (laughs) puke poo wee cry eat but there's there's a purity to them that will that re, go, will go away and you'll have something else and it also made me realize hang on a minute if I stay in this place of despair I might miss out on some of this this rawness of this newborn world that she's in and so it kind of then made me go okay actually there's lots to be grateful for here um and and also reading funny literature there's this brilliant book called by Anna Jefferson called um winging it and it's actually about a woman based in Brighton and I used to live in Brighton so it's really relatable and she is just a candidly written version of her birth story and her postpartum story and it's just hers is horrific she had cracked bleeding nipples and she had all sorts of awful things happen which was so brilliant to read because it made me go hang on a minute lots of other people are having a horrible time I'm not the only one and actually her situation is worse than mine so I feel like you know lucky I haven't had it as bad and yeah that's yeah so I'm now three and a half four weeks in and you know we've actually got a bit of a routine starting and she actually does sometimes sleep which means we get we sometimes get sleep which has made us feel like we're getting our sanity back and um oh so let me then ask you for um if you have any resources or anything that you'd like to share other than these ones that you've mentioned I've been taking notes as you've been speaking but if there's anything else that helped you or anything um yes definitely the positive birth company if you if you would like um hypnobirthing um there's one thing Mm -hmm. I wanted to say about the hypnobirthing thing because I think women go on a real journey with it and it's funny I'm talking to some of my friends that are currently pregnant and I'm really sensitive about things I'm saying to them because I've just gone on a really raw, a really raw, powerful, crazy journey, which hypnobirthing got me through half of it. And then, then I, it all went out the window and I got to the end of the birth and I felt really angry about hypnobirthing because I w- wish that it said in the small print, listen, invest in hypnobirthing, invest in all the breath exercises believe in it because it's important that you do however there might something might happen which is totally out of your hands and out of your control which means that unfortunately hypnobirthing may not work for you but that's okay and that's totally normal it doesn't what it says in all of the literature in the hypnobirthing is 
some women end up with an epidural or a cesarean but not you because you're going to do your breathing exercises and you're going to bounce on your bouncy ball it's like Mm. the the picture they paint is that it's black and white and if you follow all these follow all these practices you will have a a beautiful pain-free natural birth and um, that's an unrealistic view I understand that you need to believe in it 100% for it to take effect I really I really believe that but I just wish there was a small disclaimer that said listen it's not gonna it's it's not your fault if it doesn't go according to plan so that's what I wish someone had said to me um but um in terms of in terms of uh, resources yeah definitely the positive birth company um it's a great one um i'm trying to think what it's called um pregnancy podcast so that's the one i was talking about before which i'm not sure if we recorded yeah i've actually listened to it as well oh, I, just, cool. I don't know if i said that but it's really good yeah great yeah um there's the the bump plan which is a great podcast and that's the strong women podcast um that has some really cool stuff on there um and other resources i'm trying to think now i can't think of the top of my head well if you think of something you can always send them to me after and then i will definitely link to all of this on your show notes page yeah great great katie you feeling brilliant feeling like we got it all out there (laughs) I think so yeah I mean there's just so much isn't there it's so yeah um, it's so full-on um but yeah I I really looking forward to listening to the other stories of other people you've recorded yeah Um, absolutely because I find it really healing talking about it but I feel mostly I feel healing listening to other people's crazy stories Mm. like really positive ones as well it doesn't have to be all doom and gloom you know no um I, I it's all it all sounds it's all such they're all so individual and so different yeah absolutely never two births at the same it's kind of crazy and they're all they're all equally important I think (laughs) definitely yeah yeah no it feels good I feel like I've you know got everything off my chest it it was very cathartic to do great great all right so thank you so much Katie thank you today and sharing Thanks again, Katie, for coming on the show today and sharing your beautiful story with us. If you are listening in and you'd like to reach out to Katie, then feel free to send me an email at the nine months podcast at gmail.com or head to the website nine months podcast.com and fill out the contact form there and I will forward any correspondence that I receive to her. If you would like to share your story on the pod, there's always space for everybody's story. So do feel free to use the same contact details and tell me, hey, Lisa, I'm ready. I'd like to share my story too. And I'd love to hear any type of story from anywhere in the world, not just the Czech Republic or the UK, like like a lot of the episodes have ended up being. We can hear stories from everywhere, all around the world, in any aspects, in any form. So, so do feel free to reach out if you feel like you'd like to do that. Now, let's have a wonderful week ahead, guys, and we'll see you next week.